0: Alright, joining us now to talk about Boise State Broncos. No one can do it better either. He's from the Idaho Press and Blue Turf Sports. It's the Boise State Bronco beat writer, BJ Reigns joins us back here on the Full Court Press. BJ, welcome back and uh, boy, exciting Saturday coming up. Oh, really looking forward to it,
1: guys. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Uh, BJ, let's start here. Introduce us to Boise State, one and two on the season, but I don't think that one and two, as Coach Anderson has mentioned it several times in his press conference, really tells you how good Boise State is.
1: Well, I mean, that's what the players are saying this week. They've, they've said multiple times and the coaches too, we're six. Away from being three and zero, and it sounds like that's kind of what their rallying cry is this week in terms of their motivation and their confidence level. They we're up 21 points on the road at Central Florida and let that one slip away and lost by five. They feel like they were the better team and should have won that game. And they didn't score in the second half and lost by one point against Oklahoma State, a Big 12 team. Um, they felt like they were the better team and should have won the games. So they feel like they're, you know, very close from being 3 0, and they're not. They're 1 and 2, and they certainly have some serious issues on both sides of the ball. But, um, you know, they feel like they're a good team. The record may not show it. And they're pretty eager for a fresh start here for conference play to try to turn things around. I,
0: you watch the running game, uh, both on offense and defense and one they're not producing much on the offensive side and two they're giving up too much on the defensive side what's the bigger concern for you the offense running game or the defense is uh just their weakness in giving up so many yards Jalen warren over 200 yards uh former aggie now turn oklahoma state just what's the bigger concern for you
1: yeah, that was the most rushing yards that Boise State has given up to opponents since uh, 2009. Oh, wow. Uh, when uh, Ryan Matthews had uh, like 235 against him for Fresno State. So it's a big concern. I, I, I put a poll on Twitter, and I think like 75% of the fans, over 1,000 votes, said the offensive side. But for me right now, it's the defensive side. Because their pass defense has proven to be pretty good and shown. But when you can't stop the run, you can't do much of anything. I mean, the other team can just eat the clock, which limits your possessions on offense. And that's hurt them in both of their – uh, you know, two losses. And so um, I, I would say right now that they're both concerns, but because Hank Bachmeyer has played pretty well because they can still move the ball some through the air, I would say defensively, that's a much bigger issue. I mean, Andy Avalos, when he was a defensive coordinator at Boise State uh, 2016 to 2018, they were routinely uh, top 20 in the country in stopping the run. And so uh, they have a, you know, thought they had a good defensive line, thought they had a good linebacking core, and to come in and have two teams already rush for 240 plus yards against them, you know, I think that's pretty surprising, including an Oklahoma State team who was not very good at running the ball coming into the game. So um, you got to stop the run. It all starts there, and I think that's a big focus for them this week. But you know, Utah State's rushed for over 200 yards a game themselves, so it's going to be a big challenge, no doubt.
0: Hey, talk to me about Hank Bachmeyer. Uh, you know, there is no running game right now, but the passing game seems to be going all right. Well, what do you see out of Hank? What do you like out of him and, and his receiving core?
1: I mean, I think he's played pretty well. He's made two crucial mistakes. He threw a, a bad interception when they were driving to try to beat UCF, and you know, with like three minutes left, and then he had a bad uh, ill-advised throw, which was an interception midway through the fourth quarter in the loss to Oklahoma State. And you got to give the guy, you know, some some credit because he's trying to make a play. They're not running the ball. No one else is doing anything. He's trying to, you know, make a play and um, win the game for his team. And he just forced a couple passes and they were intercepted. But other than that, he's played really, really well. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's averaging uh, 280 passing yards a game, uh, has five touchdowns and uh, only those two picks. And so, um, you know, after the game, there were some fans calling for Jack Sears to back up quarterback, but you know, Hank Bachmeier is not the problem right now. It's the fact they can't run the football. So. Um, I think that uh, he's played really well. I think this is an RPO offense that he said he's never run before. There's been a lot of changes, a lot of things he's getting used to and learning for the first time. He's having some growing pains. But I think he's played very well and has had the first, you know, best three games of his career probably uh, in terms of just what he's put together. Um, there's two losses, but, you know, again, I don't put those on him very much at all. He's trying to make a play. Two bad decisions, and uh, unfortunately have to live with it. But I think he's played pretty well, and like I said, he's the least of their problems
2: right now. Bj, this Boise State team is one bad call and maybe one bad play away from being three and zero. But here where they are coming into this matchup at one and two, what's the level of frustration among coaches and players about some things that have gone? kind of out of their control a little bit to where they're at a one and two start or is that being a distraction for them with the controversy of some of the calls that happened last week or they feel like they've kind of put that behind them and they're moving on?
1: Well, well, ironically enough, it was Mike Gundy who was calling the refs crooked and uh, uh, making uh, comments about the officiating uh, the other day when when, uh, his team actually benefited from one of the most egregious calls of the season. Uh, to be honest with you, so I thought that was kind of funny that you know, but he's actually been way more outspoken. Boise States coaches basically said it is what it is. You saw the play, but um, you know they're not using that as an excuse, and they're moving on. But I mean, anyone that watched the game uh, clearly saw the ball came out, clearly saw it was a fumble, clearly saw Boise State's uh, you know safety like you know halfway down the field, twenty yards from the end zone when a referee decides to blow it dead and say he was down. Uh, there was no need to blow it dead at that at that point you, you know, he's already passed everybody there was nobody no safety thing and he was in the clear by himself and uh, that that would have been a scoop and score touchdown and the facts are it, it, it you know should have put Boise state up by six points with 3 minutes left in the game and Oklahoma state hadn't scored all second half so i mean you hate to be that you know point up uh, official you know official mistakes and say that was why they lost the game but i mean that, that was a a clear one where it was obvious on replay and they gave Boise State the ball. They just didn't give them the touchdown. And then obviously that they were, you know, had to move the ball and that's when the field goal was missed. there, or blocked with two minutes left. Maybe if they're, you know, the the outcome would have been different or could have been different. Um, Who knows? Maybe Oklahoma State comes down and scores, but um, you know, it was an egregious call and it was a bad whistle. And, um, but Boise State's moving on. They're not uh, using that as an excuse. They're not sitting there and dwelling on it. Um, I think they're still pretty confident. I mean, I think once you lost the UCF game, your goal of like you know being the Coupa Five team is pretty much gone. So I think at that point you just you know you want to win as many games as you can, but really you want to win the Mountain West. And um, that's kind of you know winning the Mountain Division is something that's kind of plastered all over the facility, and, and you know and getting to that championship game is a big deal, and that's still attainable. I mean they're one and two, but they know they know they're a good team. They know the margin for error is very small, and they're very close to being three and zero, but they're not. But they get a fresh start for conference play on Saturday, and they're zero and zero. I think they're looking forward to that.
0: Speaking of conference play, look, you know, for example, th- this year the Aggies get that little break from having to face the three top teams in the other side of the division. Meanwhile, Boise State, after Utah State, has Nevada, they have Fresno State, they have uh, just a, a litany of a gauntlet row of teams they got to face. How hard is it? Do you feel like it will be for Boise State? Take one game at a time, but yet look ahead and think, my goodness, it doesn't get any easier.
1: No, I don't, they don't have many winnable. You know, there's not too many games on the schedule left where they can just say, oh, we can just show up and and pretty much you know sleepwalk through this one and still win. I mean they, you know maybe the New Mexico game at home, uh, you know maybe the Wyoming game at home, but there's really not a lot of games left on the schedule where they they guaranteed wins when you look at what the Mountain West is doing this year. They have to play at Fresno State, at San Diego State, uh, at BYU, even though that's a non-conference game still, you know, they've got to obviously go to Logan on Saturday. They still have the Air Force coming into town. Nevada's coming to town next Saturday for what should be a, a huge game that will have implications on the the league and and uh, you know who's going to host the championship game potentially. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, some people said going into the season that this was maybe the going into the season, before you knew how good Fresno State or some of these teams were going to be, people were saying this is maybe the hardest schedule from Game 1 to Game 12 that Boise State's ever had. Uh, when you think about a non-conference that includes at UCF, at BYU, uh, home versus Oklahoma State, and then a full-league schedule, which includes, you know, having to play the Nevada, San Diego State, Fresno State side of things. Uh, I think people going in thought this is going to be an extremely tough schedule it was an extremely just, you know, Raw deal, I guess, for Andy Avalos just for his first year to maybe have the the, the you know hardest schedule in school history. But uh, yeah, it's right up there, and now it's looking even tougher with what uh, Fresno State appears to be. That's going to be a really tricky road game. Um, the San Diego State one's certainly not going to be easy, and that's on Black Friday right after uh, Thanksgiving at nine in the morning. Um, you know, there's there's some uh, you know tricky games on the schedule starting with Saturday. I think Saturday is a massive game for for, the, for Boise State if they want right to write this ship. I mean, they haven't been uh, one in three since 1997. So. This is not, you know, stuff that Boise State fans around here are usually uh, talking about. And, you know, the whole uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of, you know, relax uh, speech has kind of come up, you know, this week where it's just they're one and two, but there's, you know, they still feel confident. There's a lot of time left, but. If they uh if they leave on Saturday and uh, you know all hell's gonna
2: break loose around here. <laughs> we're talking to BJ Rains, uh, beat writer for Idaho Press and the contributor to Blue Turf Sports. And BJ, uh, Boise seems to be the home of former Utah State coaches. Uh, first, it was Tim Duryea. Now it's Frank Miley. are uh, assistant coaches on the staff, Stacey Collins is there as well. Uh, what what are you? Uh, what's the sense from? From Frank and Stacy, and just that coaching staff with having to face uh, their old team?
1: Yeah, they've both talked the last two days. They made Frank Miley available to the media yesterday. We just got done talking to Stacey Collins here earlier today. Um, you know, both are trying to, to say it's not about them, it's about, uh, you know, going there and getting a win. And, and now they're on the Boise State side of things. But, you know, they obviously said they spent a lot of time there. Stacy Collins, five years. Frank Miley, 15 years uh, spent in Logan. Uh, during his various stops. And so, um, you know, they obviously said it's you know, they've raised their families there and have a lot of ties there. And, you know, uh, you know Frank said when he estimates he'll look over, he'll recognize and know about 80% of the roster over there. And so, um, you know, they, they obviously know that it's a, a, a big deal and they're excited to go back, but they really were trying to keep it uh, as uh, businesslike as they could and, and approach as they could. I and mean, I think uh, Stacey Collins said that twice that he was, quote, damn happy to be at Boise State, and, and um, you know, and, and it was, you know, all positive things towards Utah State. I don't think, you know, they both said they loved their time there, they were appreciative of it, um, but I think the opportunity to come over to, to Boise State now and be on this side of things uh, certainly, you know, has, has energized them and excited them, And um, but uh, Frank Miley in particular was, was trying to, uh, you know, didn't really want to go there and, and kind of just said, um, you know, that it would maybe help them a little bit with knowing the tendencies and stuff of some of the players, but with the being a new staff and and uh, you know new offense defense that kind of thing that they uh, you know they're just excited to go play the next opponent on the schedule which happens to be Utah State but I think it is going to be a, a big game with some personal emotion for both of them.
0: BJ, you always do a great job of watching the other opponents you know the week before and such. What have you seen out of Utah State that impresses you?
1: What what hasn't impressed me really? I mean their their ability to finish in the second half I and mean, I know for Boise State that's been a huge problem for them. Boise State's only scored 22 points in the second half in three games. And in both their losses, they just did much of anything. I think the scoring is 85-22, to 22, first half to second half. And when you look at it the other way, um, it, you know, you can flip it. And Utah State, I think, has scored 85 points in the second half or something like that. So, I mean, Utah State is finishing and Boise State is not. And so, I've been impressed with Utah State in a couple of these close games, Washington State and Air Force being able to pull it out. And I just think the amount of playmakers they have at different spots, whether it be a Tyler at the running back spot, or Tompkins at receiver. I mean, they're just playmakers across on both sides of the ball. I mean, Justin Rice, what, two weeks in a row as the uh, defensive conference uh, player of the week? I mean, he's a he's all over the field. And so uh, I've just been impressed overall with their ability to mesh these transfers. I mean, you guys know better than me, but it's like 14, 15 transfers, I believe. And for them to mesh those guys together and, and, and make this uh, work as quickly as possible is a big deal. And, uh, you know, Boise State's coaches were talking about just how wide their splits are. I mean, they were saying that there's receivers almost on the sidelines are so close to the sidelines you can't even tell when you're watching the film they're almost out of bounds um, just the way that they're scheming uh, teams to, to spread teams out with the splits and then get some one-on-one with the quarterback run game and things like that I mean they 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 know what they're doing they've used their personnel very well to find mismatches mismatches and to get guys in space and um, I've been thoroughly impressed with what they've done uh, I don't think many people would have expected them to be 3-0 coming into this game and you know even after they were 2-0 you know, they were almost ten point underdogs at Air Force, and to win that game, I think says a lot about where this team is at. You know, Coach Anderson's come in and done a great job right away. So this, by no means, is going to be a, a walk in the park for Boise State. I mean, the spread's only like ten points, and so um, that's you know may seem like a lot, but for a Boise State Utah State game, that's really not uh, based on the, the history in the recent years. So I, I think that you know this Utah State's going in the right direction, and I think it's going to be a heck of a game on Saturday.
2: Coach Blake Anderson has been very clear that. This matchup will be the the best defense this USU team has faced so far this year. Uh, Riley Wimpy, he's back. I mean, certainly, there's, he's got connections to Utah State with his two older brothers who played in Logan. Um, just give us a sense of how that defense is shaping up under Coach Avalos.
1: Well, I mean, they're a very physical, hard hitting defense. Um, you know, they didn't have; uh, they only had one turnover in the last game. But uh, going into last week and the first two weeks, they had eight takeaways on defense. They were like top five in the country in fumble recoveries and interceptions. And overall takeaways, so um, they have an aggressive defense. And you know, the, the only real bugaboo has then stopping the run. And again, you know, 75 yards came on one run where the guy broke free. Um, so there's been a couple big plays that have kind of maybe altered the numbers a little bit. But um, that had, that's been their main issue is stopping the run. Um, but they they they're creating turnovers. They're doing you know bending but not breaking. You know they're making good adjustments at halftime. All the numbers uh, from the first half to the second half in all three games have come down. Um, you know they're. Um, you know, only allowing 22 points in the second half in three games. So they've done a pretty good job of limiting the other team and making adjustments. But they've got some playmakers, man. You mentioned Wimpy is a 50-year you know, super senior. Hey, call and Nickelback is also a super senior 50-year guy. JL Skinner, if anybody watched that game against Oklahoma State, just had you know uh, one of those hits that everybody was tweeting and showing and talking about, just rocked this guy and picked him up and threw him down. And um, So they've got some hard-hitting guys and, and uh, some, some veteran guys. Uh, but they're dealing with a little bit of depth issues along the defensive line. They've got a couple guys out, so that's you know been a little bit of the issues in the running game. But um, I think they're you know they've always traditionally had a pretty good defense at Boise State, and I think they're close. And uh, they're hoping that uh, they've corrected some things, and this will be the week they put it all together.
0: BJ, I know people are not at least coaches and players are not trying to make a big deal about this game being on the mothership of TV CBS, but how cool is it for the Mount West Conference to have a game regular season morning time 10 a.m. Uh, to be on CBS for the whole entire country to watch. Oh, it's a big deal. It kind of limits uh, the amount of fun I can have Friday night in Logan, but uh, <laughs>
1: I'm sure, everybody is worried about first and foremost. But um, no, I, I think it's a big deal for the league. I think that the television contract says uh, three uh, games have to be on on big CBS um, from the Mountain West Conference, and so they did the Air Force. Uh, was it Air Force Navy or Air Force Army? A couple weeks ago. And then they've got this one, and then actually the Boise State at San Diego State game. Um, you know, CBS can't get the home games for Boise State; they're controlled by Fox. So they took two of they wanted Boise State, so they took two of their three uh, two of their four league road games. So uh, the one in uh, the day after Thanksgiving, it's Black Friday, and actually it's 10 a.m. Mountain Time, but it's in California, so it'll actually start at 9 a.m. local time um, on Black Friday on CBS uh, against San Diego State. So um, I, I think that. Uh, you know, it's going to be exciting for the league. It's, you know, I think they probably had hoped that Boise State was not one and two uh, going into this game, um, and so I think that that you know hurted it a little bit. But to have a chance to be the lead into the SEC game of the week, and having you know folks just flip on the channel maybe before the SEC game and see the second half of a of a Mountain West game. I think it's great exposure for Utah State, great exposure for the league, and and Boise State, and and uh, you know the the whole TV contract. You know, I noticed it in basketball. I thought basketball was way better in terms of getting more games on national TV, and whether it be Fox Sports 1 or CBS Sports Network or wherever. And so I know that, you know, there was a lot of talk about that. But I think at this point, the TV contract, even though you lost ESPN, has actually worked out pretty well. They've gotten some pretty good time slots and pretty good games, not a lot of 830 games. And so um, to this point, I think it's worked out pretty well. And yeah, to have a Mountain West game on, maybe it's a little early 10 a.m., but that's, you know, right when game day is over, right when big noon kickoff show is over, People are going to be looking for games to watch right there at 10 a.m., and, and you know, Boise State-Utah State, State is going to be probably the one of the most watched games that both these teams will have all season, just being on, on regular CBS. So it's, it's a big deal.
2: BJ, last question for me. Uh, I'm sure that there was a lot of interest and intrigue in Boise with uh, watching what the Big 12 was going to do, trying to replace teams. And then when uh, Boise State was not among the four in the initial round, of replacement teams that the Big Twelve did extend uh, invitations to, uh, what's the feeling there? Does it is there a sense that it's not over? There's still a chance, or did it, does it feel like they had their opportunity and it's and they missed it? They didn't get that chance to go to the a Big Twelve or another power conference.
1: Well, I think at first when they weren't among the first four in, I think that was disappointing for the fans, disappointing for everybody. I mean, it was a rough 24 hours because the news broke of which four teams they had picked. Uh, either on the day of or the day after of the uh, UCF game. So you lose the UCF game like that, and then you find out you weren't picked for the Big 12. It was a, a rough 24 hours for, for Boise State fans. Um, but then you had the Dennis Dodd story come out where they may not be done, and that Boise State and Memphis are, are two of the leading contenders if they have a second round of expansion. And that really got folks fired up again. And then you had the, the Texas Tech AD and I think the Kansas State president and some others have come out and said, yeah, we definitely may not be done. We're just going to play this you know, by ear and see what happens. And I think that's really energized uh, Boise State fan base and and even people at the you know university in terms of just sitting patient and waiting and controlling what they can control in terms of trying to sell tickets and trying to do things to keep putting themselves in a good position keep getting donations you know just keep quietly working and I think they they are holding on to that hope that uh, you know it, when Texas and Oklahoma leave if they decide to replace those teams with two more um, that they would be picked I think I heard when I heard that BYU was going for all sports and not just football, whenever that was a couple weeks ago. Because I had originally thought and heard that maybe BYU would just go for football. But when I heard that BYU is going for all sports, I immediately thought, oh, that's good news for Boise State because um, that helps in terms of a travel partner, whether it be for women's soccer or volleyball or men's golf, whoever it is, um, to all of a sudden not have to have the Central Florida volleyball team come all the way out to BYU to play one game and go all the way back. And then it makes a little more sense to have another regional team where they could then you know, on a play them on a Thursday and then come up to Boise to play on a Saturday or something. So um, I think Boise State's holding out hope. I think that it's good news that BYU's getting in. And I don't think the American makes any sense. I think the American is watered down. It may have made sense, you know, last year, but now when it's just a watered down version with none of these teams, I don't think it makes any sense for Boise State. Maybe Colorado State and Air Force do it and it's not about the money and maybe they jump ship because they think Boise State's leaving in a couple of years and that the conference is going to eventually go down downhill. Maybe they see their lifeline and take it. I don't know. But for Boise State, it just doesn't make any sense to leave at this point. You have a a chance and what you think is a fairly good chance in three to five years to get into the Big 12. I think you just sit it out and wait your turn and, and try to help make the Mountain West the best you can until that point happens.